Hello and welcome to the CLB Forge podcast. This is a show to help equip you and your church for mission, ministry, and multiplying disciples. I'm Ryan Nelson. And I'm Mike Natal. Welcome to episode 18. Man, Ryan, we're going to have to like, we're two episodes away from probably throwing a party, right? Yeah. Can we have a party at episode 20? Can we do that? Or should we wait to 25? Maybe 25. I like the sound. Maybe we should have a party at 20 and 25. Um, yeah, it's yeah. it's great to uh, to be able to come back here and talk. We, uh, as you can see, no guests this week because we are chugging along on our series, right? Called Church on Track, and we're going. And I know people yes, are probably are. like, Mike, I cannot wait for you to make your sounds again. Well, we're gonna have to wait. Go, but- we're not gonna get there yet. Oh man! All right, fine. Chug a 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 chug. Nice. See, this oh, is that was this good. is where it's at, man. That was good. By the way, you know I'm gonna edit that clip and I can it's play fun. it anytime I want in the future. I was actually thinking, like, I keep listening to our intro, and eventually I'm gonna just be able to beatbox our whole intro. And so we'll like get in and I'll just and it'll be like, oh, this intro <laughs> sounds a little bit different. And you're like, nope, it's just my beatboxing it. <laughs> I love it. So I'm looking forward to it. But I haven't quite gotten there yet, but it's gonna be great. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of podcasts left in which my beatboxing will become better, and we'll see how it goes. All right. So Ryan, why don't you um, why don't you share with us a little bit about what the third installment? You know, maybe we should start considering these to be like train cars, right? So like our first train car was. Ooh, that's good. no, you don't like that. Oh, is no, it good? Good. Sweet. All right. Yeah, good, you're good. something here. So this is our third train car that you're on to. Okay. And uh, why don't you tell us a little bit more about what it's about? Oh, I can actually read that. That's what? A, that's good. You can read it yeah. now? Oh, yeah. good. We're in this series called The Church on Track. And we're looking at some different things. We're starting off with some kind of negative stuff, derailing factors, things that get our church headed in the wrong direction. Oftentimes, we're not even aware that it's happening until there's a, a wreck or a disaster or it's just... There's problems. And sometimes we, we can't even identify where they began. So it can be helpful to look at the things that derail us or get us off track. We've got seven derailing factors that we're looking at. Uh, life stage, uh, forgetting functions. We've covered those in episodes 14 and 16. Today in episode 18, we'll be talking about size dynamics. Then after that, we're going to talk about success, how success can get us off track, anxiety, mission drift, and we'll also look at some breakdown areas as well. So I'm excited for that. But today we're focusing on size dynamics or the, the size of your church. Not understanding how that affects how people interact can cause problems. On the other hand, if you do understand how the size of your church affects the way you interact and work together, it can be really empowering and accelerate the ministry and mission of your church. So that's why we're talking about it. Awesome. You know, when when we talk about these this stuff too, Mike, it's so easy to talk about these things from a law perspective too. So mm. you'll have to help yeah. me come at these from a gospel perspective. Okay. And I think I think this one is, you know, it's easy to do that maybe with this one, but man, some of these others, it's so easy to just hammer the law on people. Mm. But really I think there is a, a gospel empowering truth and freedom to a lot of these principles we're talking about. Which is good because otherwise we'd just be depressed all the time Absolutely. if we were talking about yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, today we're talking about size dynamics, and there's different ways to kind of measure the, the size of a church. Like Ed Stetzer has a, a set of breakdowns of church sizes. The one, the ones I'm using today are out of a book called uh, The In Between Church by Alice Mann. 
navigating size transitions in congregations. And this is a great standard from the Alban Institute. It's been around quite a while and it's uh, it's good stuff. So this, this I found has been a really helpful resource as I've worked with churches to help them understand uh, how, how the size of their church affects the way that they interact with each other. So we'll get into this and I think it'll become apparent as we go why this is important for the the health and vitality and strength of your church to understand this. So I don't know if you can see this. Let me see if I can pull the, this is so unprofessional. Yeah, but that's what we're all about though. I think, I think that's why people listen to us because they're like, man, Mike and Ryan are much worse at things than we are. So we need our, see, maybe that's it, Ryan. Maybe we don't need to actually share the gospel because just you and I doing this podcast is gospel enough for people where they're like, here's Mike and Ryan. If they can do it, we sure can do it. Maybe that's what it is. Can we uh, co-opt First uh, Timothy one fifteen? You know, through the worst of podcasters, Christ. There you go. His gr- okay, yeah, yeah. So that's here- probably going to be our slogan now. <laughs> All right. I, I just like let you know, I still can't see that, but don't go off of me. I got terrible eyes. Okay, yeah. So this is maybe bad <laughs> to even have this up here. You know what? For our our viewers too, I'm just going to do the the share screen on Zoom nice. for a minute. Here huh? we go. So our Let's listeners, I'm sorry for our, uh, hey, our look, viewers. Oh, I can read everything now. It's a nice logo. Wait, you see the logo or the? Yeah, I'm seeing the logo right now. Oh, you are. You're not seeing the? Yeah. Uh oh. No. Boy, boy, to the people who are listening though Man. to the podcast, th- there is so much dead noise. So, so I wish that I had. <laughs> I wish that I had a funny story that I could tell you guys. There you go. Now so, we're on the, the correct what? page. The, Here we go. The logo is on the screen in front of me, which is what I'm sharing. But back here, it's got the chart. I'm thinking, what are you talking about? Like the charts right there because I'm the technology's over my head. See, once so again, you- the gospel in this is that everybody else who's probably going to do a podcast or share a video on <laughs> Zoom is like, Ryan, how did you not know that? There's the gospel for you. If Ryan can do it, you can do it. Yeah. All right, Ryan, give me some of all this right. more organic. Okay, so here we go. You can break this down all kinds of different ways, but I, I love this way because I think it really relates well to our church body, the CLB. We can identify with these groupings. So let's just go through them and we'll start with the smallest and go up from there. So super. Uh, the, the smallest group that we're going to describe is called the family size church. Now, and first of all, all of this stuff is really more about sociology than theology. Can you unpack that a little bit, Ryan, just for people who are listening? So we're going to talk about the ways that people tend to behave and interact in different size groups. And those are more about sociological issues, Mm. but we we often think they're theological ones. Mm. And so what I mean by that is we we may have grown up or spent our adult lives in a certain size church and, and, and liked it so much that we've come to believe that that's the right way to do church. And then we maybe have to move and we go to a church that's bigger or smaller. And the way they do things is different. And and we may feel like, you know what? Not only is it different, it's just wrong. That's not the right way to do church. And we we sometimes spiritualize the the way the way church is expressed more than more than we should. You know, last last time in episode 16, we talked about the functions of a church. Mm-hmm. And now we're gonna get into the kind of the form of the church. So the functions of the church, those key purposes must never change, but the form of the church always has to change in order to effectively communicate the gospel to our culture. And so we see the form, uh, the function, the form of the ministry change uh, depending also on the size of the church. Okay. So the way groups work together 
it's different depending on how many people there are. So so we'll get into this, and I, I think it'll become kind of apparent as we go, or it won't, and this will just be a terrible episode. <laughs> <laughs> Let's set that bar good. high. But let's set the bar as low as possible, guys. <laughs> There's the gospel for you again. Yep. All right. Here we go. So the first size group we're talking about is is often called, sometimes called the family size church. And this is when your weekly attendance is less than 50 people. And oftentimes, uh, this it's, it's called a family-sized church because it's probably composed of, of a network of family or friends. So one kind of network of people. You can, in general, you probably, most people can maintain relationships with about 50 people. You can know about 50, 60 people. And then for most people in your church beyond that, if your church is bigger than that, they don't know everybody or they don't know everybody mm-hmm. that well. Um, but 50 and under, it it feels like a family. And oftentimes it is literally a family uh, and aunts and uncles and cousins and grandparents and things like that compose the main core of the church. So this, one of the wonderful things about this size church is that it feels, feels like a family. You feel like you're, you're home, you're, you're part of, if you're in that group, you feel like it's an extension of your family and you feel at home, you're comfortable there. Things are very informal and relaxed. And the key leaders in the church are usually the family matriarchs or patriarchs. So the the lay leaders of the church are usually the, the ones making key day-to-day operational decisions. Mm-hmm. And if there's a pastor there, the pastor might be part-time or full-time, probably, probably part-time, and they're not really involved in leadership decisions. They are looked to more for chaplain care, so chaplaincy, so providing care and comfort and teaching. Um, but often decision-making leadership is, is held by the leadership group that's often the patriarchs and matriarchs of the family. So those are a couple of the, couple of the key characteristics. So it's a very informal, it's group-led, and it's just, it just can be a wonderful experience to be a part of a church this size. Now, as a church grows, the, the dynamics change because there's more people. So when you get over 50, there's no one layperson that can keep track of all those relationships. They can't maintain relationships with more than those, those 50 people, but a full-time pastor can. And so this stage is called the pastor-sized church, and it's characterized by significant involvement on the part of the pastor, and a lot of the identity of the church is now not coming from a family network, but from who the pastor is. And so oftentimes, uh, churches will refer to a stage of their history by saying, oh, when pastor so-and-so was here or pastor so-and-so, you know, someone like in Isaiah, in the year that King Uzziah died. You know, they kind of define the church by who was the pastor at the time. So the pastor, no one person has time to maintain all those relationships, but the pastor does. And so the pastor is probably doing a lot of visitation directly with a lot of the people in the church. He has time to do that. He probably leads the worship service, doing the primary preaching or all of it. He probably leads a Bible study multiple Bible studies and a Sunday school class, and is directly doing a lot of ministry. And at this stage, the key, the day-to-day, a lot of the day-to-day leadership decisions happen at that pastoral level, um, rather than with that group of uh, elders or family patriarchs. And again, a lot of the characteristics of the church are defined by the pastor. So when I, when I pastored a pastor-sized church, I maintained a lot of direct relationships with people. I planned out the the music for the service, did, did the bulk of the preaching, led confirmation, led youth group, taught Sunday school, taught a Bible study. So I was the direct doer of a lot of things. So that's a pastor-sized church. And again, it's still more organic and informal. 
but this time kind of the key leadership person that is seen to be the pastor. Are you tracking with me so far, Mike? Tracking. You're doing great. Okay. I'm probably because I'm not, I'm no longer moving TVs or things like that. That's probably helping. Okay. Mm. The next size is is often called the program size church. So as a church grows beyond 150 or so in, in weekly attendance, it becomes, it's probably because it's becoming known for one or more really high quality programs. And it's not the ministry of the pastor himself, but ministries that are led by the church that are really impacting the community and people are drawn to them. So they may have a really good kids program or youth group or really great worship team, probably known for really good preaching as well. So in a, pro- in a program-sized church, some of the things that change, pastor is no longer the direct doer of the ministry. He's not the key leader carrying things out. So a lot of the day-to-day leadership, decision-making, operational decision-making, it's not happening with the elder board or the matriarchs and patriarchs. It's not happening with the pastor. But at this point, it's actually happening with a whole team of part-time and full-time staff and volunteers that hold the key leadership roles. They are leading different areas of ministry. And the pastor may be still very involved in crisis care, but there are other people involved in providing care, providing spiritual care to people in the congregation. There may be a care ministry. Uh, the pastor's probably leading a team of people that are in turn leading small groups and Sunday school classes and Bible studies. And so here you see a pastor becoming less of a doer and more of an equipper in this stage, kind of in line with Ephesians 4, where the pastor and other leaders are there to, we see that they're there to equip people for the ministry of the church. And you see more of that in that size church. And again, the church is known for its quality of programming. One of the shifts that, another shift that you see in this size church, so we're, we're away from an individually led church, now we're back to a group led. And it's, it's this broader team of ministry leaders, part-time staff or often volunteers. So there can be as many as a two dozen part-time staff in, in a church like this. Lots of part-timers, maybe a couple full-time, and lots of volunteers that can make up this this ministry leadership team. Uh, But one of the changes is that you see the church, because of its size, feels less organic and more organized. So there's more policy, written policy, written expectations, planning that's involved. The church becomes more organized because, not because that's more or less spiritual, but in order for a group that size to work together, you have to put some stuff in writing in order to make, to help that many people kind of work in the same direction and keep unity. All right. So then the last uh, size on the chart here is the corporate size church. And that attendance figure is, so program size is like 150 to 450. Corporate size church is 450 to 1,000. And uh, this church is characterized again by the pastor as a really good preacher, known in the whole area as a really good preacher, probably, or a really good leader, and almost becomes like a figurehead. So not many people have direct interaction with him because he's probably leading key staff, casting vision, and uh, putting lots of time into sermon prep. That's often what's happening there. And uh, he's not directly leading all these ministry leaders, but he probably has several staff members who in turn are leading other teams of staff members who are leading these, these ministries. So again, it's, a, it's on that more organized side of the spectrum, but the key leadership is back as seen as being with a, with a senior pastor. Those are uh, just some of the variations. And there's a couple of concepts here that I want to mention here. Um, and then I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, Mike. So one is, if you want to grow, you need to function like the next size bigger. So if, you're a, if your worship attendance is 50 and you, want, you think 
boy, we could grow. There's a lot more ministry we could do in this community, and we'd love to see more people worship here. Then you have to start operating like a pastor-sized church and allowing, you know, ceding more leadership to the pastor, more direct involvement to the pastor, let's say. Or if you're a pastor-sized church and you want to grow to a program-sized church, the pastor needs to begin to equip and empower those ministry leaders to be responsible for ministries instead of directly doing it himself. So I'm just kind of quickly going over this. Another important principle, though, is if you op- if you are one size, but you operate with the model from a smaller size, you will shrink down to that size. You will frustrate and alienate and disenfranchise people until you get back down to the size where that model of behavior is actually appropriate. So if you're in a program-sized church, but you operate like a family-sized church, you'll have ministry leaders that are frustrated because they're not allowed to make decisions and lead their ministries effectively, or communications happening very informally, and they you know, don't know what's going on because they're out of the informal communication loops. So that's that's another concept that's, that's important to keep in mind. And then finally, making these transitions are difficult. Crossing these little barrier lines that you see uh, require behavioral changes for the church, and those are difficult to make, um, adaptive changes. So going from a family-sized church to a pastor-sized church is painful because you're going from a group-led to what's perceived to be an individually-led model. But the most painful transition is going from a pastor-sized church to a program-sized church, because you're not only changing from the, the way the church is led, right? When you go from pastor-sized to program-sized, it's no longer the pastor that's making key leadership decisions. It's the ministry teams that he's guiding. They are the ones making key decisions. So it's going back to a group-led model. But also, you're shifting from being more organic to being more organized. And put you put those two together, it's a barrier, it's an invisible barrier that a lot of churches hit up against and don't know it's there, and they hit up against it, and they, they grow a little bit, and then they shrink back down. They grow a little bit and shrink back down because they never changed their behaviors and didn't prepare the congregation for those difficult changes. So any uh, any thoughts on all that, Mike, as we as I wrap that up? Yeah, I mean, a lot of the questions that I wrote down, you literally just answered in those three responses. I guess one of the questions... Sorry about that. It'd be much more interesting if you uh, asked them. No, that just means that you have very good intuition, Ryan, because you knew, or that just means that like, maybe our friendship has reached a whole new level. Can you read my mind? It could no. be that too. It could be that. Oh, okay. It could, what am I thinking about right now? Uh, uh, um, you've changed your mind. And you do think Star Trek is better than Star Wars, but you'll never admit Dude, it. Dude, are you kidding me? I literally, I was thinking about something else. And then my mind went to, I'm going to start thinking about Star Trek to see if Ryan <laughs> guesses wrong. And then you guess right. This is something else, dude. Our friendship, next level, bro. Uh, yes. Next level. Okay. So here's here's one of the questions that I have um, yeah. that kind of has popped in. Sure, people who are listening to this could be pastors, could be lay people, could be uh, other individuals. Um, But I'm sure all of them care about their leaders. So Ryan, as we look at that box, what are some of the pitfalls that people can be looking out for in supporting their leaders through that? And I'm thinking of elders who get frustrated with things and and quit. I'm thinking about pastoral burnout, you know, uh, things like that. So is there... Are there certain locations in those boxes where 
People need to be more aware of of pastoral burnout. People need to be more aware of leadership getting frustrated over certain things, you know, different concepts like that. Are there specific locations or do they all have their own little nuances that could create problems? And that's a great question. Um, There, You can find challenges at any stage, definitely. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think one thing that's helpful is just understanding these dynamics. So like you could, you could play this episode with, with your elder board and help get everyone on the same page about why mm-hmm. things function the way they do. Otherwise, people bring in all kinds of assumptions, and usually they're very negative ones. So, oh, sure. why does this church function this way? Well, because they are not listening to the Holy Spirit, or because, you know, they, they just aren't as good. When really, yeah. it's it's probably just about the size the church has been when it established right. the way it functions. So, a lot of times, right. so some common things I see, um, a lot of pastor-sized churches operate like a family-sized church. And mm-hmm. the nickname, another nickname for the pastor-sized church is the burnout-sized church. So that's oh. the size church that will burn out pastors more than any other. Sure. And oftentimes it's because pastors are trying to do too much, and that's allowed. If you're, if you're in that pastor-sized size, you need to start encouraging your pastor to empower and equip other people for leadership roles. Yeah. But that also... But another issue that can happen is the elders in a, in a family-sized church, that not only are they providing spiritual leadership for the church, but they're also engaging in a lot of operational day-to-day decisions. And mm-hmm. so it can feel like being an elder means holding this spiritual leadership role and making all these operational leadership decisions. Mm-hmm. And really, as the church grows, they need to let go of those. And at one point, they need to be handed off to the pastor. So some challenges are sometimes the pastors aren't allowed by their elders to engage in ministry leadership. They're not allowed to oversee staff. And and they know these people the best. They love them. They work with them the most. But they're not allowed to oversee them because the elders may may believe that, well, that's that's what the elders have to do. Because they've kind of lumped all these activities into the what it means to be an elder. In a pastor-sized church, elders have the freedom to release some of those day-to-day operational leadership tasks to the pastor. And the pastor can then begin to empower and equip other people in other ministry roles, roles that report to him, to go and exercise leadership and make decisions. And it's really freeing and empowering when the church feels comfortable doing that. You know, what's true at every stage, no matter how big or small the church is, it's up to the elders to ensure that the mission of the church is being accomplished. That's their task of spiritual oversight. But as the church grows, they can let go of things like, do we need to change the locks? Do we need to approve Sunday school curriculum? Do we need to decide what kind of outreach event we're having? Do we need to plan the calendar? They can let go of those things and, re- and, and give them to people that God's placed in the church to serve in those ways. God's gifted other people in the body for those tasks. And another challenging area is that, so I think going from family size to pastor size is hard for elders. I think it can be really tough for elders. I think going from pastor size to program size can be really tough for pastors. Because a lot mm. of us pastors, we we get our value from what we do. And really, I've said this before, it's 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 not so much what we do, but who we who we equip and who we impact. In a program size church, it becomes more and more important to empower and release other people into like having a care team where there's a whole group of people that are involved in providing spiritual care, not just the pastor. And that can be very threatening for a pastor. Or you can just go in there and not even realize you, as a pastor, you think you have to do everything and it becomes impossible in a bigger church and you and you get into trouble that way. If you had to generally 
say where you feel like our churches are at in terms of Lutheran Brethren churches? So there's how many Lutheran Brethren churches? Uh, about 110 or so. 110. Plus a few that okay. are affiliated. Yeah. Where would you say a majority of the churches are? Just And, and I think that there can be gospel in this so that people... Yeah realize that they're not in this alone or thinking like, oh man, our church is this level. Nobody really knows what it's like. Cause there, cause there's, um, there's isolation within any of those boxes, not just in number. I, I'd be encouraged yeah. to hear like, are there other churches? Are there churches in our denomination that are in between all of those uh, and where they're at too? So I don't know if you want to share something like that. Yeah, or not. I mean, I could just give you rough numbers. Like most of sure. our churches are in our family yeah. sized and pastor sized, yep. and they're they're family sized or they're in the low end on the pastor sized. Okay, so the, a lot of our churches are like seventy five and under in attendance, and we have mm-hmm. a handful of program sized and a few that are corporate sized. So that yeah. so the bulk of our churches are in those first two categories. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, our, a lot of our churches will bounce back and forth between those categories maybe up yeah. into that program size and, and back down. So I think a lot of the dynamics that are difficult are about the changes that happen between those two sizes, the family size and the pastor size. And we, and we want to yeah. see our churches grow. We want to see more churches dealing with the challenges of growing from pastor size to program size. But right now, I think a lot, yeah. of, the, a lot of the challenges are right there. And those are especially hard for you know longtime uh, members of the church, for people who are elders, and for pastors, those are really three groups that that these challenges are really difficult for. That we need to be praying for them and supporting them and, and helping them navigate yeah. these challenges. Yeah, this this episode is one of those episodes where uh, you'd want to take it and share it with your board, not in a way of making them feel defeated or making them feel puffed up yeah. and successful, yep. but to show them like, hey, here's where we are, and if we if we want to go someplace else, realize that we need to start planning. We need to start thinking ahead. We need to start vision casting if we ever expect to be in one of the other categories. And I think that that's really important to get people on the same page and being realistic about it. So I could see this episode being one where people would share it with their boards or um, with leadership in their church to kind of gain a little bit more perspective of what's going on, not just within your church, but also in the church's around you too in our denomination. Yeah, thanks Mike. There's a, a couple yeah. of the a couple of the the challenging stories that I hear repeatedly are, you know, when we talk about these different sizes, sometimes there are churches that don't allow their pastors to be a part of the leadership team of the church. Mm-hmm. And so the the way they're structured in their constitution might say, well, the pastors there to preach and care for people, but shouldn't be involved in leadership. And that that causes major problems for the church especially if they're going to grow. And often, so in churches like that, the the pastor can be excluded from leadership and not included really as a, a full member of the elder board. The pastor gets frustrated and may leave after a few years because they're just, you know, any anybody in the church that you have, a, if you have a gifted leader, but you don't allow them to lead, you don't trust them to lead, you give them a mm-hmm. job, but maybe not any authority, they're only going to be there for so long because you haven't empowered and, and released them and trusted them. So, I see that dynamic. Another challenging dynamic is that sometimes there are pastors who exclude their elders, right? Sometimes elders yeah. can exclude pastors. Yeah. Sometimes pastors can exclude elders and, and keep them out of le- the leadership circle as well. And that's that's not healthy either. The, and those are two patterns that I see happen over and over again. And usually if you've been burned by one, 
you overreact and do the other negative thing. Right. And and you just perpetuate these cycles of dysfunction. So we don't we don't want silos of ministry where the elders exclude the pastor or the pastor excludes the elders or ministry leaders aren't allowed to do anything. We want to we want to create unity at each stage of growth at each stage, at each size of the church. There's no right or wrong size either. Some people will say, oh, well, the family-sized church feels like a family, therefore it must be the best. Or yeah. pastor size just feels right. Or corporate size feels just right. And really, those are about our personal experiences and preferences. They're not about what's the scripturally correct size. In the New Testament, you only see like family size, like house churches and mega churches. Corporate size are bigger, right? The church would gather by the dozens or the thousands. Thousands, right. So there's yep. no one one right size. Yep. And I think that that's where the gospel is in this too, yeah. is yeah. Um, what what we really are hoping to do and what our podcast was really formed on is that we just want this to be a conversation starter. And that's the best thing that you can do with these different train cars that we are unpacking yeah. is to use these as conversation starters, not to beat yourself up over it, not to be like, man, we're just stuck in this rut, but to identify it, to share it with other people in leadership, and then to do incremental changes that can bring about difference and change. But the worst thing that you can do is ignore it absolutely, and say, yeah. And say like, nope, this isn't happening. You know, all these concepts, we can just be like, nope, none of that matters. We're just going to keep doing stuff. And it's like, no, no, no. If you ignore it, that's where that's where the problem sets in. Yeah. And so the gospel is in the conversations that you can have with people to move ahead, to unify, and to realize that the unifier, no matter what's going on, is Christ is what he accomplished on the cross. And it is to further the kingdom, no matter which portion of the box you find yourself in, you yeah. can do that. Yeah. And that's what's important. Yeah. Um, Ryan, do you want to share that book one more time? Like one last thing too about this whole topic. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's scary to give away to release leadership to others, but it's actually we. You know, we think when we when we delegate something to someone, we're losing leadership of our own. But the truth is that sure. we're actually our our leadership is growing. Yeah. So when elders uh, include a pastor in leadership, when they delegate leadership responsibilities to a pastor, those elders' influence grows. When a pastor empowers and entrusts a, a layperson that's starting off as a ministry leader and gives them some authority, that pastor's leadership influence doesn't diminish, it grows. And so that's what we want the whole body moving towards. And you know, the, the task of the elders in, in terms of the organization is to ensure that the church is fulfilling its mission. And then they delegate to one of the elders, the pastor, the execution of the mission. We're entrusting you to care how we're going to carry this out day to day to day you're going to you're going to be leading that and we will continue to retain our our job that the congregation's entrusted to us is to ensure that the mission's being fulfilled and yeah when we're meeting that's what we're checking back in about is that execution of the mission happening are we continuing to fulfill it and i, I just think that's a great harmonious way to to work together really yeah you know no matter what what size you are that's a great way to understand the dynamics between our elders and our pastors so, I agree. Yeah. So that book is The In-Between Church by Alice Mann, put out by the Alban Institute. And, All right. and uh, yeah, thanks, Mike, for great questions great. and insights on this. Really appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. And I appreciate you sharing your knowledge with us and, uh, you know, pulling the TV screen closer and further away. That was a real good uh, 
That was a real good thing to have on this episode too. So uh, to our listeners, we appreciate your um, grace. We appreciate your uh, ability to laugh at Ryan and I, we are, we are grateful for that. And we hope that you're enjoying the podcast. Uh, We'd love to hear from you. And uh, if you have any topics that you'd like us to cover, or you have any questions, uh, feel free to either reach out to Ryan and I privately, or you can email us at uh, podcast at clbforge.org. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so that you'll get notifications when the next one drops, which we're doing it on a weekly basis. So you'll be able to get them regularly on Tuesdays. Um, And if you're willing to, we would really be encouraged if you would share it uh, with either a family member or a friend or even a colleague. All right. That's it for now. Uh, We hope to unpack another train car with you guys in a couple more weeks. All right, guys. See you later. Bye, everybody. Chugga, 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 choo, choo.